Did you know that half of professional services firms aren't able to forecast revenue beyond six months? Why? It's the people. People-based industries connecting the talent supply with projects and financial data is the North Star for driving growth. This is Rich McKay of Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we're talking with two Workday experts, Mark David, Vice President of Solution Management, and Justin Joseph, Senior Director of Product Strategy. They'll share insights and best practices about revenue forecasting and professional services. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, thank you for having us. Can you talk about why project revenue forecasting is so important to professional services organizations? Well, first off, revenue just in general is extremely important for all organizations, but definitely professional services organizations. And from a revenue perspective, what's so interesting or unique is that all this type of revenue, generally speaking, a majority of it comes from project revenue. But why is project revenue so so difficult or why is that so important? Clearly, this goes without saying. Service-centric organizations are people-based industries. So these companies' revenue and their project revenue is based on the talent supply. And people are highly variable. People aren't always around. People sometimes take vacation. Unfortunately, as we've noticed in the last few years, people leave uh, and there sometimes are shortages. So there's a lot of variability here in how companies generate this type of revenue. But again, because revenue is super important, companies need to have a really strong pulse of where they're going to be, especially for one, internal reporting, right? So just as an organization, you have to understand month by month, quarter by quarter, even year by year, what kind of internal revenue projections are you going to have? If you're a public company, so there are a lot of large public service organizations that are out there, you have to report to the street, right? You have to report out, here's what our revenue is going to be. Here's what we're anticipating over the next month. Here's what we're anticipating for the next year. Guidance is is usually what that's called, right? And uh, last but not least, you have to understand within your organization where your trend's coming from. And, And typically speaking, revenue forecasting tends to bring and drive better revenue trends, revenue uh, deep dives in the, within the organization. So you really can start to understand where do you want to foster stronger revenue growth year over year? Yeah, Justin, I'd say that probably predicting revenue based on people-based businesses is much tougher than product-based <laughs> businesses. Great. Thank you. And so what challenges do organizations face with revenue forecasting? For example, a recent study found that half of organizations are unable to forecast revenue beyond a six-month time horizon. Yeah, Rich, I'm glad you brought that up. There's a lot of challenges. And kind of like what you heard Mark said, and like I was mentioning earlier, uh, people are really the, the cornerstone of that as to why it is so challenging, because people are highly variable. That six-month figure is actually quite interesting. Now, now there's multiple ways to forecast revenue. The first one, which actually kind of aligns, Rich, with what you were saying about the six months, um, is backlog forecasting, meaning you're taking everything you have in backlog and trying to estimate, hey, this is how long that's going to take, tends to be pretty short-term, that six-month time horizon. The timing always tends to be off, and you can't really go that far out. Six months is, unfortunately, not long enough for an organization to be able to plan out. 
And so from there, you have other or two different types of processes. So that first one was backlog forecasting. The other two, pipeline forecasting and then bottoms up resource forecasting, driven forecasting, are two of the other ones that we often uh, kind of see there. Both of them have their challenges. So similar with backlog forecasting, it's, it's, it's somewhat off and uh, it's short term. Pipeline forecasting, this is where you start to do forecasting off of you know, your stage one opportunities, your just your opportunities in general that might be coming from your CRM system or from your, your partners that are, just have relationships with their, with their customers. That tends to be pretty overly optimistic, almost always, because you're trying to assign some sort of probability. And then, then from there, you're really kind of guessing as to when you can close it, how quickly you can close it, what kind of services are going to be included in there tends to be really tough. The third one that we see is that bottoms up resource driven forecasting, like I was saying, um, that one actually tends to be the most accurate. However, there's a con with that too, is it tends to require a significant amount of discipline and typically speaking, pretty flexible processes. Because if you're an organization that's pretty large, you generally speaking, have little nuances and differences between how projects and how data is being captured across your lines of businesses or different services. So that one tends to be pretty accurate, but organizationally, it's really hard to enforce almost always from a forecasting perspective, lockouts, making sure that the roles and the, the, the rates are always pretty consistent there. And what I will tell you is most companies, the reason why they want to get there and they can't is because they have different systems. Typically speaking, you have a people-based system somewhere that manages all your people, full-time or, or uh, contingent workers. You have another system that's tracking your time, so how actuals are starting to come in. You typically speaking have another system that's projecting out your forecast for the duration of your project engagement or your customer engagement. Um, and then you're usually doing billing and rev rec in another solution too. Uh, and all those different systems mean that you have data that's gonna be wildly consistent and it's a lot of integrations to be able to pull this in to make sure that you have an end-to-end -end process. So this is why a lot of times, even though that's a really great model to follow, it's really hard to be able to enact because the system and the data just aren't there as an organization to allow you to, to do that. So that's why there's a lot of challenges here. It's, it's highly variable people. And then typically speaking, the data and the systems aren't around to be or available for you to be able to enact it across your entire organization. Yeah, and Justin, I think what really resonated with me, you said this, that the larger the, the organization, the more complex that gets, the reliant on processes, but also people, right? Like you, you, you are reliant on the project manager, resource management community to provide information. And nothing can be 100% fully automated, even at the bottom level, right? And so you have a process which is reliant on accurate data and put at the bottom. And then traditionally that data had to be surfaced up for forecasting and planning. And there was a lot of manipulation that had to happen at the military to get that information into the planning environment. And then a lot of manipulation at the planning environment level, right? And so you just had a lot of even people complexity in this process traditionally as well. Yeah. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. So what trends do you think will impact revenue forecasting and how can organizations handle those trends? There's a few things that I'm, I'm starting to notice, especially in the last two years. Um, so I'll start with first, uh, organizational emphasis on projects. And, and what I mean by that is almost now you rarely see, not, not never, but rarely see companies mandating or having their employees just work on one project 
for 40 hours a week. You're, you're typically just not seeing that as much anymore. It, not that it never happens, but across the entire organization, across your entire workforce, you're just not seeing that as much anymore. And, and the reason that that's happening is, is a few. One is employee happiness. So this past year, so when we look at the year ending 2021, professional services was actually the industry that led with the most amount of merit increases compared to any other industry that's out there. And the reason why was because employees were unhappy. They were stuck working on one project. They weren't really being able to build the skills that they really wanted. And so companies are responding with more money, but then also giving employees a little bit extra flexibility to work on multiple projects to be able to round out their skill sets. Now, that's also self-serving too for these organizations, because with that, if there is an employee, and I'll use myself as an example, so let's just say Justin, the consultant here, uh, is working on two different two different projects instead of one project once a week. There's two different skills that I'm billing out, and as an organization, I've now maximized Justin's skills across two different projects, and I can really start to, to analyze that too. What kind of skills are dry, driving more revenue? Uh, what kind of skills are ultimately becoming commoditized? What kind of skills do my workforce really want to drive towards? And as there's more and more worker shortages, which is another trend that's happening there, and less and less travel that's really starting to happen, you know, making those employees happy, maximizing on the skills that they have and that revenue that they can generate there, uh, but also simplifying their systems for them too, right? Like we want to make sure, and these companies are trying to ensure that these systems are as easy to use as possible for those employees because they want them to focus on their billable work and then this non-billable uh, admin work as far as forecasting time. They want to simplify that. There's a fourth trend too. So there's a lot of trends that are happening in this industry. The fourth one, especially around revenue is, especially in the last two years, we're starting to see more recurring revenue models come up within the professional services industry. You know, at the start of the pandemic in 2020, professional or service organizations saw a massive hit in their service revenue, meaning their project-based revenue took a hit. It's almost always one of the first things that, that get slashed from budgets during an economic downturn. So these organizations in the last two years have really started to think about recurring revenue models. Now, people are still at the center of this, right? So it's not that they now have all these products that they're offering. No, they're still talent-oriented organizations. But what they're starting to do is now offer these in packages that start to say, hey, listen, you can have, say, Justin and Mark for the next you know, six months, and here's the recurring package that you're going to have. Now, I'm still going to have to forecast my, my time, but that actually starts to simplify the recurring revenue and the revenue forecasting. It's easier to do SaaS-based or, or recurring revenue forecasting. But I'm going to be really clear, that's just a trend. That is not the overwhelming majority of this. Uh, the overwhelming majority of their revenue is still coming from, from project-based forecasts and, and project-based revenue here. So those are some of the trends that are out there. So what can companies start to do? One is simplify your systems, right? So if you're focused around keeping your employees happy because you're noticing there's a worker shortage, you want to maximize their skills, you want to simplify their usability. So usability is going to be really key. So that's number one. Usability, what that means is you know, do your employees, whether they're that project manager that you're relying on as a, a larger organization, um, those midline service managers, or even the employee themselves, 
Do they have access to the data that they need to be able to understand, hey, wait a second, this is the amount of hours that I was supposed to work over the next month, I'm going to have to shift this around. Is it easy for them to be able to do that? If I'm the project manager, can I start to manage variances and start to plug those in uh, during the duration of that engagement or that project, whether that's within a month, within a quarter, et cetera, and be able to explain those different variances? Can I drill down uh, to that level of detail? And then, of course, if it's FP&A, can I pull in that data so I can start to say, hey, wait a second, this is how much revenue I was forecasting for this quarter and then for the next three, if it's for the year, and then start to really understand where those variances are coming from or what kind of questions I need to ask um, within the organization. So data transparency is going to be super key there. The other thing, too, that I will tell you as far as how organizations can start to handle that is flexibility, Right. Flexibility is going to be key. If you were going to ask professional service organizations, you know, three or four years ago, how much recurring revenue were you going to have? The answer was probably going to be very little. But with the pandemic and with and with just life and how the world works, this flexibility is something that they're trying to build into now their systems and they're trying to build into their processes. And they're trying to build it in also with customer expectations and customer satisfaction. So if certain customers want something, meaning extra hours, extra services, extra talent and skills, you have to make sure that you have that flexibility within your systems and your processes to be able to manage that not only customer by customer, but also practice by practice or region or geo, um, just to be able to, to solve for those, those challenges there. That's great. I, yeah, it's it's a really interesting time. I mean, just <laughs> just maybe that's the understatement of the year, but uh, yeah. you know, I was talking to Patrice Capello about this. And she mentioned one of your points about making it as easy as possible. For example, entering your billable hours, professional services professionals are so busy. The last thing they want to do is get into the admin work. So if you could do it on your phone, like on the plane, when you're flying back from, from work, uh, it, it just opens up a whole new world. Just, you know, and another thing, it's just, you know, freeing people up to do the billable work versus the admin is just such a huge, huge thing. Make employees yeah, happy that way. And we'll, we'll see, Rich, you know, what the impact of the hybrid work environment is going to be moving forward to. I think there is already a move towards more virtual work and yeah. less flying around, less on client site, but you will always have customers that want you there in person, of course, right? Um, but I think after uh, post-pandemic, the world will shift even further to virtualized uh, services and models and flexibility of how you prove that you can add value to a customer, to being the work that's done, to the types of engagements that you have will all impact uh, this as well. That's great. Yeah. And so you mentioned a lot of really important trends are happening and professional services firms are really experiencing these challenges and they can, and you start to mention how they could start to look at solving some of those challenges. So what is uh, Workday specifically doing to help um, with some of these challenges and some of these trends that are happening? So right. as, as, jo as Justin mentioned, right, this is a really difficult problem to solve, although it, from the outside perspective, you sit there and say, yes, every business needs to generate a revenue forecast, right? That you have to be able to do that, right? You have to know, or you have to approximate how much revenue you're going to deliver this quarter, this half year or six months, as we said, or, or this fiscal year or your fiscal year, right? So professional services firms, um, to do that, you need to take, is also just to set all of your client project data and put this into a planning environment where you can look at it and assess what your revenue picture is. 
right? And if you look, if you think about all the different trends hitting these businesses that Justin just went through, uh, even the different project types, maybe drill into to that a little bit. Justin was mentioning the whole recurring subscription services, but you still have the traditional fixed fee, revenue based on schedules, milestones, uh, even you know, good old faithful time and materials. Um, how do you reconcile all that information and uh, how does it come into a model and how does it live in that model? And this is a perfect example of why we created a program called Workday Package uh, Solutions. And so with Workday Package Solutions, our objective is to find use cases exactly like this where, that are complex and attack that complexity uh, with packaging, right? So to be able to take the expertise and best practices that we see out there uh, within Workday um, and our partners, which we'll get to in a, in a couple of questions or in a couple of moments here, and uh, look to accelerate the use of Workday products and technology. So for this particular solution, uh, Rich, we actually uh, packaged up uh, any integration work external data models uh, that are required that we typically see in the industry. We provide our customers with a professional service specific industry planning model and a pretty robust analytics data set pretty much out of the box, if you will. And our main objective is to help you go from months of implementation down to just a couple of weeks. Wow, that's huge. Which is really fast, yeah. It's <laughs> really fast. Yeah, and so that's great. And so, you know, based on that sped up implementation timeline, it kind of leads to my next question, you know, so what value or business impact have organizations seen when adopting Workday's revenue forecasting solution? Yeah, so the value question, right? <laughs> That's always the big one, right? Um, so we have a long track record as a company helping professional services organizations do planning and forecasting. Uh, and planning used to be this like dreaded once a year process and forecasting, as Justin alluded to, was a very heavy lift. Uh, and it could be different depending on the forecast methodology methodology you used and it lived in a variety of different systems, primarily spreadsheets, even still. And it still was difficult to do. I remember one customer about uh, a year ago uh, that ran a 5,000 employee professional services firm told me, Mark, Workday is doing a lot for us. They basically run our whole business. But the one thing I need from you is a good forecast more than anything else right now, especially as you imagine, Rich, what's happened over the last two years to try to forecast what your uh, business is going to be. And I think what, what he meant was he needed the process and the tools to implement to have him provide the ability to forecast his business. Uh, but even though we had all the data and we have all the technology to do planning and analysis around your revenue forecast, it still uh, was a challenge. Uh, so for our revenue forecasting solution, the immediate value proposition that we provide is business acceleration. So this is packaging in best practices so that you can uptake a forecast model and then figure, is this a model that works for my business or something that needs to be adapted to meet my specific company's needs? Medium term, it is the ability to support more planning scenarios. And we talked about some of those variety of different project types that impact uh, your needs around planning. And this will translate into more accurate forecasting and uh, potentially better revenue attainment 
there are other benefits. I had one professional services leader just in the last couple months say that they wanted to look at their discount strategy uh, once they get the better revenue forecasting uh, solution live because they, they traditionally look at discounting as an impact to margin. Uh, but uh, as we all know, if you discount, you're also going to impact your top line. And sometimes you need to discount to deal with customer success and satisfaction, but other times you just do it to get the business. And uh, this particular leader wanted to understand how the uh, discounts were going to be impacting their revenue overall for the current quarter, but also uh, for their uh, next uh, upcoming fiscal quarters. That's great. And, and perhaps this is a related question, but you mentioned based on what we've experienced the past two years, I, I won't mention all the events, but how, how do you build that in to revenue forecasting, those those disruptions, or how do you plan for that? Yeah. So how does a company plan for that? Yeah. How does the company plan for that? You know, for example, with the pandemic, what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, like, you know, what other other scenarios where you can plan for it? Yeah. 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 So some events you plan for, some events you don't, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the events that you can plan for, what you typically will do in a robust planning model is that you'll have different scenarios built off of your model. And the most common scenarios you have are optimistic, realistic, and pessimistic, right? But you can call them a variety of different things, but you have upside, if you think business is coming in, I think, Justin, you mentioned pipeline tends to have a very optimistic point of view sometimes. Yep. Um, not all companies, but yes, companies can have an optimistic point of view with their pipeline. Uh, you could look at uh, some parts of your business that might be declining and some parts of your business that might be also uh, growing. And so uh, you have to have the ability to create different scenarios off of the model and think about doing that as complex. And if you don't have a stable model, you know, that's, I think, a, a barrier of entry to do that. And then you also have to have a good framework to model assumptions. Um, so I talked about like the declining business or the growing business. So you have to have a way to model what those assumptions are around your different lines of service and your different businesses and assumptions around how much of that pipeline do we think we're going to get depending on what stage that pipeline is in. So those are things that are very common. And then what, what I'd say is like the events you talked about, like these big events that sideswipe us. You know, the I had a business in Eastern Europe or I had maybe part of my resources actually located in Ukraine, which we uh, we did at Workday. We actually had a professional services company reach out to us the day after the Russian invasion and said, I need to stay in contact with uh, about 5,000 employees that are located in the, the Ukraine. So those things do come up. Um, and I think the, the other aspect of planning, this is probably more planning than forecasting, is can you then be agile in your planning approach as these big significant events change? How long does it take you to pl replan your plan? And again, do you have that modeling and scenario capability on top of it? Yeah. Elaborate or expand or just add an extra point to what Mark is saying. It's essentially, you know, in some ways, the process between both of those are not very different. So when you're planning for anticipated scenarios across the year, you're really looking at data. You're, being, you're looking at your customers. You're looking at being able to have um, or be able to generate a model with assumptions. Assumptions are really key there. 
And if you can do that really quickly, uh, right, or agilely or flexibly, then that's great. That's going to, in that part right there, and you usually take it for granted when it's something that's expected. The unexpected scenarios is you're following that exact same process, but you just have to do it at a much faster pace. You have to do it much more frequently, generally speaking, because your assumptions are changing especially in the in the instance of earlier this year with Ukraine, maybe hour by hour or day by day. So your assumptions are changing so rapidly there. Uh, and that's really that's really it, right? Is that that's the difference between the two is how quickly can you do it? How quickly can you or easily can you add in those assumptions, understand what those assumptions are in those scenarios, uh, and then be able to publish it and then act upon it pretty pretty quickly there, right? So how quickly can you pull this data together? And then be able to model it and be able to share it out um, across. There's, it, may, it may sound kind of contradictory, but they're very similar, right? It's just speed is ultimately what you're, what you're basing the second one off of. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic yeah. for the next <laughs> yeah. year. Hopefully, hopefully things will, yeah, be uh, much improved. But, you know, speaking of the future, you know, so what, are, what is workday planning for the professional services industry in the future, or even industries overall, and so you know, how can we help? Yeah, yeah, and and Rich, I I, I want to say this right that the Workday Package Solution Program, these solutions come not only from Workday but also our partner ecosystem, and our partners they even know more details about industry problems and use cases than potentially we even do because they're there on the ground working with customers every week. Right. And so the Workday Package Solutions, um, we take these industry leading practices and we build and define the most compelling use cases where we think we can add value. And for the professional services industry, we first went after revenue. This was a top use case that was indicated by our customer base uh, primarily. We also have a robust roadmap uh, to go after capacity planning, which is highly related to revenue forecasting and planning, but uh, has some unique data sets in it in itself. Uh, Justin was talking about like the skills and there's a lot more worker data that gets involved there. We also have a solution uh, being delivered from a partner, but very promising around revenue and, and WIP um, management. Uh, so I they call it the revenue and, and work in progress op center. And we also have a variety of solutions that help the whole financial supply chain, including an intelligent collections monitor. So off the top of my head, Richard, those are the main things that we have uh, planned this year. But Justin, anything to add here? In particular, PSA as a solution is going to continue to be the main thing that we're going to invest in moving forward. So that's on the project financials side. It's also on the resource management side too. So the people part, um, and it's really combining both of those together, but really around how do we continue to improve that experience in the office of the CFO? So for finance professionals, and then all, also interconnecting with operations, meaning the office of COO or, or clearly here, you know, projects and project operations. So some of the things that we're thinking about, uh, number one is a, a process called pay when paid. We see that quite a bit. In the, uh, in the professional services industry. The automation of cash accounting, a lot of companies are accrual-based. So just being able to automate cash basis accounting and then reporting there. And then of course, we talked about travel, not necessarily 
uh, coming back per se, but it's never going to be 100% eliminated. So what kind of rideshare packages can we start to come up with to simplify that experience there? So those are some of the three that we're investigating at the moment. Um, so stay tuned to see which one of those uh, we release soon. Thank you for listening to our conversation about revenue forecasting with Mark David and Justin Joseph from Workday. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, you can find our entire catalog at workday.com slash podcasts. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you have a great workday.